We've all heard of social media, but social selling? How exactly does social selling work? And how can financial institutions, already making great use of AI, chatbots, and automation, build a social selling platform that ensures success as banks bridge out into the digital world? To find out, this week we talk with Avril Castaneda of EY in New York City. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you here with us. Our podcast posts on Mondays, and you can listen through Apple's podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And today on the show, we have Avril Castaneda. Avril's a senior manager in the advisory services practice of EY based in New York City. Avril's a strategic marketing and customer strategy executive with more than 20 years experience working for and consulting with financial services companies worldwide. And Avril, great to have you on the program today. Great. Glad to be here. In July, you wrote about this subject of social selling for BAI banking strategies online. In particular, it struck me that you said there is a misperception of social media versus social selling, which is a sales tool. Maybe you can help describe what social selling is and what the crucial differences are between those two things? That's a really good question because when I talk with folks that are in the front lines and I ask them about social selling, they often respond right away, well, of course I'm on Facebook, I'm posting my latest dinner on Instagram, but having a social media presence is not the same thing as social selling. Um, And social selling is really about developing trust in what you sell. Um, It's about, of course, identifying your sales prospects and then managing your business relationships through social networks. And that's different. It may override and combine with your personal social media activities. That's certainly okay, right? Because we're all humans on work and off of work. Yep, but those activities need to be done Um, in addition to what you may already be doing with the posting of your cats and your grandkids and your meals that you want folks to know of. Well, it sounds like if I'm going to get into social selling, I better rethink those cat photos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love the cat photos, but yes. So if we want to take things further, what are some of the crucial action steps uh, that banks, fintechs, maybe even IT departments can take It's a really good question because the first thing that your question implies is that the organization is identifying social selling as a worthy tool of its sales force. And once you do that, they should fall into standard sales tool processes, which means you'll have governance, guidelines, and controls. Mm -hmm. So that's a conceptual framework, if you will. Let me get very tactical. Before social media platforms, I would engage with my clients a lot of times by meeting them frequently to develop that relationship. I think about a mortgage broker. I think about a commercial banker. I'm spending a lot of FaceTime with them. Mm -hmm. In 
today's world, a lot of my prospects and my customers are spending more of their initial time in their sort of sales cycle reviewing the material that I might have previously brought to them in a brochure. They're looking at that online. Yeah, that's where they live too, right? Exactly. I have to develop my persona and demonstrate to them through my online dealings that I am that trusted advisor. I can demonstrate the depth and breadth of my skill set through providing them with informative pieces of information that will help them as they make their decisions. So there's the controls that we talked about. The organization needs to make that decision. They need to make it a tool. And then that means it now becomes part of the regular sales process support model. And then at a very tactical level, this tool needs to have content. You alluded earlier to the fact that a lot of time might be spent face-to-face in developing a sales relationship. How might that relationship development process be different today when we're talking about social selling? It's a fascinating topic. What I like to think about is it starts with the branding, the personal branding, and we've all kind of gotten used to that terminology. LinkedIn is not the only platform, but that's one that we certainly would be very familiar with. Certainly then the connections of the people that we do know, you and I are connected, and I want to use our connection to have you introduce me to others that you know. The platform is meant to just take those personal recommendations or um, referrals and transfer them to the virtual world. No question about that. When you see someone post, we bought a new home, we had a new baby, right? These life-changing events... These are the things you want to maximize the social platform for doing because they're bringing those to your attention. And again, rule of thumb, you want to go ahead and reach out and maximize the opportunity to reconnect with that client um, at that right time relative to that life event and in the real world. Shifting gears a little bit, banks may be standing on the outside feeling like there's a rope between them and social selling. When banks are interested in getting involved in social selling and the social selling practice, what are some of the first things that they need to do? There, of course, are automation tools available. And think of tools like a hearsay social or an actience. These are enterprise social listening compliance tools whereby the tool sits between the salesperson and the social platform. Let's say I'm going to post on LinkedIn or I'm going to post on Facebook. I would go ahead and type that before you receive that post or before it goes out. It actually goes through the tool, which has been set up by my compliance department with some triggers and libraries that basically reads my text, makes sure that what I'm saying is compliant with what my um, compliance and legal department has determined. What kinds of revolutions do you see? What kinds of convergences, things in development that are changing the landscape even as we speak? It's very exciting. I think that where we are right now is just going to be so interesting. We've got really these What I think of as the three gale force winds of change, right? We've got digital technology, we've got analytics, artificial intelligence, and automation. We're seeing things that will allow our salespeople to really focus on 
being more consultative. We've used this term consultative selling for years. I think we've always believed in it, but yet a lot of the time that our sales folks were focusing on was still very much order taking. Mm -hmm. We have things now like intelligent virtual assistants, the chatbot revolution, right? And chatbots really mean that we don't have to spend our brain power, the sales team doesn't have to spend their brain power remembering all of the ins and outs of all these complex products, right? Because they can query a chatbot, get some very specifics about the products, and then really focus their conversation on understanding the needs of the customer. In the past, even though we wanted to do that, we often had to spend a lot of time focusing on remembering the intricacies of all these financial products that, that are at our fingertips. Indeed, yeah. So the technology for the salesperson really allows us to free up our brains. So I really think of our salesperson of the future as really being finally elevated to provide the value that they were meant to provide. And they used to provide when we only had a very few products. Well put. Now, let's say you are toolless. You want to get into the game, but you have no idea how long it's going to take to develop the tools you need. You're imagining something that could take months, maybe even a year or more. What's the good news here? If you don't currently have an organized social selling tool in your arsenal for your sales force, this is something that you can move forward in terms of prototyping pretty rapidly. And I would really encourage your listeners to take a, a Silicon Valley perspective here. Sometimes we only think of that for our IT work. And we talk a lot about agile methodology only in IT. But I'm going to suggest that we apply design thinking to our services. Take five days and do a rapid prototyping session and think about what would we need to do to allow one of our lines of business or one of our selling groups to use social selling? And you would want to think about what's the governance that we would need, what are the guidelines we would need to give them, and what kind of controls can we put in place? You're not going to be doing any of that for your prototype with technology. You'll be doing that with processes. But the people in your prototype are just probably going to be using their own LinkedIn accounts or their own Facebook accounts, right? But the idea here would be to say, let's get something set up that we will let our group of prototypers use for a period of time. Maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 60 days. It depends upon your sales cycle. And what can we do to support them with content? Because you want it to be different from just them doing it on their own. You could do that in five days. You could run it for 30 or 45 days. Get a real sense of what your organization would need to do to roll it out at full scale, as well as get a real sense of how your salespeople would benefit. And there aren't very many things today in our high-tech world that you can prototype in five days, test in a very limited amount of time, and get actionable results from. So I'd really encourage your banking folks that are interested in social selling to take that challenge and see what they find out. Indeed, the challenge is set. Now it's time to act um, <laughs> for financial <laughs> services organizations. 
Averill, thank you so much for making the time to be on the podcast. Very much appreciated. Great. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Averill Castaneda is a senior manager in the advisory services practice of EY and based in New York City. You can connect with Averill on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, while social selling represents a new wrinkle, there are some old school principles from traditional selling that more than apply. Build relationships, reach out and reconnect, especially in conjunction with life events such as buying a home or the birth of a new child. Number two, Social selling is highly regulated, so proceed with caution. Channels activate much faster, but the regulations still apply. Consider automation tools set up in conjunction with compliance departments to make sure that the content fits in with compliance standards and best practices. And number three, consider the five-day rule. A social selling prototype can be assembled from scratch in five days. Take a Silicon Valley perspective through the lens of design thinking and think of the three G's, governance, guidelines, and good controls as you set up your prototype and prepare your content. Now, even as social banking grows, so does banking via social media, at least from the payments end. Meanwhile, banks have a tremendous opportunity to get their marketing messages across and not just by slapping up a Facebook page. We spoke recently with Facebook's Noah Choi to learn more about the potential for banks to integrate with social media and Facebook's stable of apps, including the wildly popular Instagram. Most banks have some sort of mobile banking app. Uh, Some banks do a fantastic job of offering services within the app. I I still think that um, banks probably have a long way to go in really making good on the promise of what their mobile app services could be. Mm -hmm. That said, I think an even bigger opportunity exists in terms of banks plugging into platforms Mm -hmm. where people are spending most of their time on mobile devices. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, you know, one out of every five minutes spent on mobile is actually spent Mm -hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. It's 20% of all time in mobile. It doesn't even include Messenger, which is a place some banks are starting to plug into now. Um, I think if banks can find ways to integrate with those platforms Mm -hmm. and offer marketing messages, um, you know, offers, services within those platforms Mm -hmm. and integrated with those platforms, They'll have a a lot more of an ability to scale, to get in front of consumers, Hmm. and to really add value to people's lives. (laughs) Wow, when you think about it, a dozen years ago, Facebook was barely known outside the Harvard University campus. Now it's ubiquitous, also a growing part of people's lives insofar as payments, and who knows how banks will capitalize on social media in the years to come. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Be sure to check out our growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.